Email oliver at rte.ie. Now, welcome back. So have we normalised drug use? What exactly is it doing to the mind and the body to discuss? We're joined from the Cork studio by Dr Chris Luke. He's a former consultant in emergency medicine. He's also columnist with the Irish Medical Times. Good morning, Dr Chris Luke. Good morning, Oliver. And uh, thanks a million for joining us. Um, My pleasure. On this. Uh, so, uh, cocaine. I mean, we're huge consumers of cocaine in Ireland. Do we know how how much how much cocaine we're we're using, or to the extent of it? Well, we have only indirect metrics, I suppose, Oliver. I mean, we know that there were over 300 tonnes of very pure cocaine uh, seized in, in, throughout the EU uh, you know, the last year or two. We know that two tonnes of cocaine were famously seized uh, last year uh, off the coast uh, of this country. And it is a rule of thumb that only 10% uh, of uh, the actual amount of drug in a, in a country is seized. So you have to work backwards from that and basically you know, there's, there are vast amounts of cocaine coming in through our ports and our airports uh, and of course uh, secretly into our various coves and, and, and across the border from the north to the south and back, vice versa. So there, there's an awful lot of it is, is, is I think is the, is the main idea. Yeah. Uh, so cocaine, I mean people have seen it on film and television, it's, it's a white powder. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's cut up with something else, so it's a pure pure cocaine is cut with something else, isn't that the idea? It's kind of diluted. No, no. I mean, a pure cocaine is just pure cocaine. It's uh, you're, you're thinking, I suppose, of adulterants, uh, adulteration with mm. uh, you know other drugs, everything from dog worming uh, powders through to uh, anaesthetic, uh, uh, other anaesthetic agents uh, to paracetamol. You, you know, chalk. You you name it. Anything that will resemble a white powder can be put into the white powder. And if if the adulterant also gives you a sort of numb feeling in your tongue uh, or some other kind of buzz it'll be put in to, to bulk up the, uh, the the powder that you're getting as, as a line or, or, or more but I suppose uh, from my point of view the bottom line is that co- coca uh, it comes from the coca leaf uh, on the, the slopes of the Andes in S- South America and yeah. it's been used for thousands of years by the, by the Indians and it, it's basically um, it, it's a, a, a remarkable uh, agent insofar as when, it's, when the leaf is chewed or, you, or you, you make a tea out of it that it confers a sort of tolerance of the pain uh, and the, the lack of oxygen, the discomfort, and often the hunger that is perennial in, in those parts of, of the world where, you know, it's, it's very hard to grow, grow crops and, and so on. So yeah. it, it was that, that those qualities, uh, also, it also gives an energy to, to people when they, when they chew or drink the, the tea. And it was that quality that the Spaniards uh, identified uh, when they arrived as the conquistadores several hundred years ago, uh, you know, Long story short, uh, about 200 years later, European chemists managed to turn the, uh, the cocaine hydrochloride, the key element in the coca leaf, into powder. And that's, of course, when all the, the problem began. It was shipped to Europe in the mid-19th century. It was even blessed by the Pope, uh, really? Marani. Uh, and that, of course, uh, along with Sigmund Freud, that was the, they were the two great drivers of the use of cocaine in high society. We can blame the Pope, for, we can blame the Vatican for something else as well. Uh, so the long and the short of it, you take a, a line of cocaine, it's snorted, what, what happens to the body? Well, within uh, about five minutes or so, uh, people get, uh, most people get a sense of being hugely energised, a uh, surge in self-esteem and, and, and confidence and, and a gradual onset of, of really extreme pleasure uh, or euphoria, as Robbie alluded to. And the number one reason that people take cocaine or any other drug, of course, is for the pleasure. Uh, and the effect of one snorted line may last up to 30 minutes, really. 
30 minutes. And then how long before you might feel the, 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 the bad effects? Well, it sort of depends on your tolerance or your, your, your habit, how often you've used it. Uh, but, but very often the first unpleasant uh, problem that people experience is a, is a, is a, is a growing sense of paranoia. You know, the classic thing is uh, the user's in a pub or a club or a crowded, other crowded place and they start saying, why is that guy over there staring at me? Yeah. Uh, and that can often be amplified by the, the, the really rapid heart rate that, that they can feel in their, in their chest. Uh, the paranoia sometimes will turn to panic, uh, particularly in novices. Uh, and then, of course, cocaine often is associated with other symptoms like chest pain and breathlessness and sweating and headache and, and, and a weird feeling that the skin is crawling with insects. So they also add to the paranoia uh, and the, 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 the user can become really, really very distressed. Uh, could someone be just having the good effects of cocaine if they're using it only seldom? I think that's maybe what Robbie's alluding to when people talk about Oh, oh without fun. a doubt. And that's yeah. why, that's why, uh, that's the number one reason why it's so popular because, you know, uh, probably up to 80% of the time in, in occasional users, there isn't anything more than perhaps tiredness or a little bit of paranoia sometimes uh, apart from the exhaustion afterwards. Uh, but in up to 20%, you, you do get uh, a, a, a addictiveness, uh, 10 to 20% of repeat users uh, are said to develop a a dependence or a compulsive pattern of use. Uh, And that means that if they stop taking the cocaine, uh, you know, night after night or week after the week, they, they can develop horrible withdrawal symptoms, uh, which uh, range from mood swings and irritability and cravings for the drugs to nightmares and feelings of uh, absolute exhaustion, which is famously known as the crash. Mm-hmm. They can also get vomiting or convulsions. And, and uh, you know, one of the things we, we don't talk enough about is the, is the very common thoughts of, of suicidality right. uh, in cocaine users. And of course, this is only, you're still talking about if the cocaine is relatively pure. Well, I'm talking about uh, people who are uh, compelled to keep using it. I mean, whether it's uh, it's pure or not, uh, you know, that whatever amount there is in the lines of cocaine that are being okay. snorted eventually will accumulate. The, the, you get a cumulative effect. And of course, uh, if you keep taking uh, the cocaine, you start getting a lot of blood vessel damage all over the, the body. Uh, most famously, you get um, small blood vessel damage in the nose, which is why people's noses collapse. The, the cartilage uh, wall between the two nostrils uh, it breaks down because of, of a lack of oxygen, and you get a nose, uh, you know, holes appearing in the in the cartilage. That's common because that's that's the route through which most of the cocaine goes. Occasionally, people will inject or or smoke. That, that's very unusual in Ireland. Uh, but you you get the same uh, uh, blockage and collapse of small blood vessels all over the body, in the heart, the brain, uh, and and other organs. And and, and that's why you can uh, eventually end up with vascular disease uh, that can strike when you haven't had any cocaine. So in other words, the, uh, behind the cocaine taking, there's uh, all the while, there's, uh, beneath the surface, there's damage to, to blood vessels all around the body going on. So if you're in your 20s, men and women in 20s using cocaine, they're completely unaware, really. If they're doing it once or twice a month, they don't see themselves as a problem or having a problem, but it's happening. Yeah, and I suppose the other vascular thing that people need to know about, I mean, first of all, you get, uh, you, you get a collapsed nose. I mean, you, we've seen many celebrities over the years, TV celebrities uh, with, the, with the collapsed hooked nose from the collapsed cocaine. The other, uh, of course, famous vascular complication is uh, erectile dysfunction because obviously, uh, you know, if the blood vessels aren't working, you're not getting, you're, you're not getting uh, an, an erection. Um, but I suppose the thing that I worry most about is what we get, what we call is cocaine agitation delirium. People can become 
you know, uh, uh, abruptly very delirious. I mean, we, we, many people out in, in our towns and cities will have seen the way uh, a cocaine-using friend or acquaintance or somebody opposite them on a, on a din- in a dinner party table can suddenly morph from being a chatty, witty um, uh, friend or, or, or conversation partner into a, 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 a sort of a raving lunatic, sweating, shouting incoherently uh, and brushing aside all efforts to to restrain them by, yeah. by friends and security staff and paramedics. And, and, and that is a very difficult thing to, to deal with because very often that's the, the, the preamble to a, a lethal uh, a stroke or seizure or even heart attack. Right. You remind me of, I think it was Cathy Burke who's the actor and director who was talking about uh, people she knew hooked on cocaine and she says, no one has ever said, you know, your man has become a lovely person since they started taking cocaine. It's it's a personality changer, isn't it? Yeah, and I I mean the the, the paradigm uh, for people of my generation was was Al Pacino in Scarface towards the end, where he has his famous uh, "My little friend is is machine gun." He's got mounds of cocaine uh, on the table, and he's uh, he's screaming at the 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 the, the, the guys who are invading his 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 uh, his villa yeah. uh, to come and get him, and he's completely off his head. He's screaming and roaring and sweating, and that that's the sort of case that we get you know, uh, exploding out of ambulances or in police cells or, you know, not uncommonly outside the doors of nightclubs. Yeah. Now, uh, Luke Lachlan, he plays county football for Westmeath. He's on the line now. Luke, uh, good morning to you. Hi, guys. How are things? How are you doing? Thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us because I know oh, you're, right, you're no working problem. full-time over there in the Midlands. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, you confronted your addiction in 2021. Uh, what, what was the yeah. trigger that you had to, de- to decide to enter was a residential um, treatment? Yeah, I suppose I struggled with um, alcohol and cocaine for a long time. But I think it's like everything, it gets progressively worse. I just caught the end of that conversation there about the the cocaine. So, like, when I started um, with coke first, you know, it was good fun. And as the older I got, I just heard the paranoia. Like, you know, I just caught that, that you said... um, You'd, nobody ever liked the way someone changed when they started cocaine or they turn into a nicer person. Yeah. But, like, I would find, say, even if I was on a night out, maybe during, like, if I was in the nightclub, I might be okay. But it, I could get back to a house party with some of my friends and I would just turn into an absolute paranoid wreck. Like, I'd have to leave straight away. I think everyone was looking at me and... But then the only the flip side of that is like in your head you think like Jesus I definitely need to stop this but then you're like I need more right like there's a you know you think you need more <laughs> to make you feel better and you know like that's obviously where you can see there like when I'm sitting away from that like you know you have a problem but like just when you're in the middle of it you just can't stop take us back to your early twenties Luke because I presume you you start out it's drinking only is it and that that's the yeah, start yeah no well, I kind of I started actually with gambling. Um, Right. First, you know, because I was playing a lot of sports and um, I started working full time and I was working in a factory. Uh, so I left school and started an apprenticeship. So I was getting, I would get my wages and I started playing. I remember getting into a casino one time, I was around 16 uh, or 17 and I won big enough at that time and I was just hooked from there. So then I started yeah. the online gambling roulette. So like I could get my wages, I think it was on a Thursday back then. And, like, I'd be at the machine, I'd be working at, and I'd be playing roulette or whatever game I was there at the time. And I'd either be up a few thousand or 
or I'd have nothing for the week. But, you know, either way, I was happy enough because I was getting to getting to do what I wanted to You're do chasing with, the high you know, yeah chasing, chasing the, high. the high and then it progressed then alcohol um, do you remember uh, the first I, time you tried cocaine or, or where it came from yeah I actually tried cocaine in uh, Mullingar I went to America when I was 19 but I tried it once or twice in Mullingar it didn't really I was obviously high as a kite but I didn't really I never really longed for more of it at the time mm-hmm. as but it was when I went to America then I got a real taste for cocaine and probably um, my addiction kind of heightened as I was able to access more easily yeah. and alcohol alcohol and cocaine because when I was before I went to America I was still only 18 like I kind of had to report to my mother a bit still at that time you know yeah. couldn't just head off you know but when I came back from America I was kind of I was about 21 and I was fully submersed in my addiction at that time so cocaine and alcohol at that time though I was more of a binger still it wasn't an everyday thing it was kind of four days here maybe get myself together four days here but as I said like I'm 28 now just progressed and got worse and obviously the problems I had my own personal issues that I never dealt with from when I was young they obviously heighten and you know as you get older things get worse you know you start to care about people's opinions more you have more responsibility so everything everything gets more severe so like the paranoia gets more severe you're you know you're like right if I can just get this high I'll be okay but you're not thinking like that that's just nearly a subconscious thing you know like and you're like I'll go for a few pints I'll be grand and like every time I went for a few drinks I, I had the intention of not, you know, going into self-destruct mode, but like I always ended up with a bag or a couple of bags or it always ended up for a few days with me, you know, there was no, I couldn't just go home for some reason. It's one of the things, just, it always went too far, you know. It could keep the party going. And you're obviously not yeah. th- doing this on your own. It would obviously have been on, on a wider friends group locally yeah. as well. So it, it's a, it's a hu- it was easy to get the access to the drugs. Oh, it is, yeah. It's very easy, but like nobody put anything, nobody forced me to do anything. Um, yeah. Like some people, not everyone is addicted to cocaine or alcohol, but, you know, I made my own choices. Uh, you know, like a lot of people can, it's easy to blame other people. Now I know younger people, maybe 17, 18, can be uh, coerced into stuff, but like I was an adult, nobody forced anything to me. Yeah. I, I, need, I, I needed it, like to be honest, to survive um, you know what was going on in my own head you know Well you're in the place where I suppose Robbie Lawler was telling us his friends are they're doing it for fun you you just wanted to escape reality would that be fair to say? That's exactly that is exactly it yeah mm-hmm. uh, it sounds crazy when you say that like to escape reality but it's just um, I think addiction well I just you know I, I'm sober now a good while and I kind of look into it something I'm interested in and you know, obviously trying to live a better life, but I look back on it, I think my addiction probably started from when I was young. Uh, like, you know, I had a lot of abandonment issues and, you know, fear of rejection, trust issues, and um, that's okay now. Like, I can look back, I'm happy with myself now, but, yeah. you know, I used other stuff as a child, like, say, PlayStation, to escape reality, and without even knowing, you know, and you obviously you're looking for something stronger as you get older, do you know? And I think that's probably 
if um, people can recognise small bit when their kids or whatever are going through stuff like that, maybe to get help for them or to have them try to talk about it even. Do you think about the things you missed in your life as a result of the addiction? Um, I definitely feel like I missed out on a lot of opportunities um, because I had the thing, like I said, I think I mentioned it there, like self-destruct. I just, I, like I got back into college a few times because of Gaelic and stuff and like my anxiety wouldn't even let me go in the door, you know, because right. I was just, so, it's just, well, like, I went up, but I, like, told everyone where I was from that I was going in every day when I wasn't going in ever because I was probably so worried that if I failed, and, like, that's another part of it, like, I always had a crutch to fall back on and say, oh, sure, I was drinking then. You know, if something wrong, I always had a, I was never, I never just, I didn't really have uh, self-worth to just go and do something for myself. I always had to have a, a fallback, like, sure I was drinking or I was parking or I was doing this you know Yeah uh, When you went public with this last year Luke Lachlan uh, for the first time on a big public stage on television so yeah. on what, what kind of reaction have you been getting since then from within the GA community in particular? Very good um, to be honest so I think it was 2022 actually um, I uh, one of the reporters Sinead Hussey she just yeah. it wasn't really meant to be the way it was actually it just kind of happened she's like she found out that I was a year sober the day of that Talton Cup final at Westmead and she was like, geez, that's kind of amazing and you could probably help some people. And I was, I, I, was, I didn't really think of it too much, but it's just taken off since then and a lot of people reaching out to me like on social media. But I've been getting a great uh, great response. Um, the odd time, you know, negative. Um, you're always going to have that, like people, you know, with fake profiles. Uh, like leaving yeah. nasty comments from time to time that's another addiction like, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but like I'm a grown man like I can yeah. see you know that's that's they have their own problems people are doing that like you know but like as I said there social media is great like I'm able to help a lot of people just by you know they see that there's another way about especially because GA is a great community it's a community based and like there's a lot of people struggling with the same sort of stuff, maybe not to the same extent, and some people maybe with worse and worse off situations, but, like, if you can pay back what you've, you know, that's where I'm at, like, I'm trying to pay back some of the help that I've got or some of the lessons that I've learned, because, as I said, I'm still only 28, there's a lot of younger people kind of looking up to people like me in my situation, and as long as I can kind of help maybe one person just by yeah. sharing some advice or even listening to them, because, like, I'm not a professional, but, like, but you, but you, we we hear you speak in confidence, and you're in recovery, and we wish you well. It'll be three years um, this summer. Yeah, it'll be three Luke. years in July. Yeah, and no. like to be honest, it doesn't Congratulations. even feel like. Yeah, it doesn't even feel like when I think back to some me the pre uh, pre recovery, like that doesn't feel like it was me. It actually feels like it was someone else, which is obviously a great thing. Like yeah. I'm in a great position, and you know, blessed really. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, listen, thanks so much for sharing your story, Luke Lachlan. We let you go because I know you're working, you're working hard and thanks a million for giving us your time. No, absolutely. Uh, look after yourself. Thanks a million. Slon, Slon, thanks easy. a million. And I'm going to come back to Dr. Chris. Luke, a lot of what um, Luke was talking about there, um, Chris, very familiar to, to you and your work. Yeah, I mean, two wonderful contributions. I mean, Robbie basically uh, explaining and, you know, confirming what 
we people like me have been saying for donkeys, which is that there's an extraordinary uh, high level of, of polysubstance misuse rec- and mostly recreational out there. Uh, and, you know, with the uberization of, of, of drug deals, uh, you can get uh, cocaine in, in any, uh, any, any townland in any part of, of Ireland as quick as you can get a pizza. Uh, and uh, with Luke, um, I mean, for me, one of, the, one of the great antidotes to addiction is, is trying to get your dopamine hit from caring for other people. It's funny when people switch to stop thinking about themselves uh, to, to, to worrying about other people. That you, I think that's part of the transition from addiction because addiction is very much about thinking about your, 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 yourself only uh, and worrying about other people, I think, is, is one of the ways out of addiction. Uh, I'm just looking. We got sent in um, an image from a parent who found this on their child's phone. It's sent by WhatsApp, Snapchat, Instagram and so on. So these these are the drug dealers who send lovely graphics uh, to to kids, essentially teenagers, uh, constantly spammed with special offers on drugs. It's called the coffee shop list. And there's a whole list of products. And it kind of goes into the details of, of the cost of this. Um, cocaine flake, for example, which is 0.7 grams, 100 euro. Yeah. Uh, ketamine is uh, one gram of ketamine is 60 euro. Yeah, uh, and so these, these are coming in. They, they they come special offers, bank holiday specials, big sporting weekend, even Christmas offers. So the marketing around is very glamorous and very easy to do using something encrypted services like like WhatsApp. Yeah, well, I mean, drug dealing and, you know, drug smuggling uh, are some of the very, very biggest industries in the world. They're up there with uh, arms production, oil uh, and tobacco. So, you know, that comes as no surprise. Mm. You have a special worry about the level of cannabis use as well? Yeah, I I think uh, that cannabis has been particularly normalised. And I worry that people don't think about the perhaps less dramatic uh, complications of of cannabis consumption. I mean, I, I, I worry terribly about the levels of violence and of course the antecedent the, 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 the thing that leads up to violence of course is antisocial behaviour and I always say that there are three key elements to violence and you know I mean honestly the violence the horrific violence that we see the homicidal violence and the non-homicidal violence that we yeah. see for example in the, in the recent riots you know there, there are three key elements there's the disinhibition there's impulsivity and there's paranoia those are the three elements which in my experience lead to, 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 to antisocial behaviour and, 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 and violence and of course, the, the five main chemical drivers of, of that uh, trio are alcohol, amphetamines, uh, benzodiazepines or sleeping tablets, cannabis and cocaine. Th- those five agents particularly, they intoxicate, they disinhibit, they create impulsivity. And as we've heard from people like Luke, uh, paranoia. So that you, you, th- those are the five things we have to un- understand are, are the main drivers of the, 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 the epidemic of antisocial behaviour and, and the consequences thereof. Yeah, talk to us about the psychiatric disorders that are related to cannabis. Well, uh, again, rule of thumb, it said that between 10 and, and I mean, these are global and fairly stable figures from the scientific community on both sides of the Atlantic, all around Europe and so forth. But between 10 and 20 percent of cannabis users develop what's called a cannabis use disorder, which again, as with the cocaine, is a a compulsion to to keep consuming the drug because uh, there is, uh, they want to avoid the the withdrawal uh, syndrome. And if you continue to take uh, cannabis, number 
talk, we're not talking about the odd spliff at a dinner party mm-hmm. uh, or a, 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 at a festival. We're talking about consuming several spliffs every day routinely, particularly among uh, young teenage boys, particularly among young teenage boys in their bedroom on their own. Uh, and you get this uh, kind of classic pattern of you know social withdrawal, which means they're dropped from the football team where previously they were a star. Their uh, exam performance collapses where previously they were getting Bs and As. Uh, they, they don't seem to want to see any of their, their previous uh, gang of friends. The motivation they, they suddenly out, just they, collapses. They lose motivation yeah. for working, for studying, for, for even going out. Uh, and they only go out to get their, to get their deal. Uh, and if, in, in cer- some circumstances, uh, they develop a schizophrenia. Now, now there's they're said to be a bidirectional relationship between cannabis and schizophrenia. It, we're, we're not sure whether it turbocharges the underlying schizophrenia or whether schizophrenia uh, turbocharges an appetite for cannabis. But nonetheless, yeah. there's, a, there's a huge association. Um, there's a lot of talk about leaving the clubs open till 6am in the morning. Is that, a, is that a fear of yours? No, I mean, that's something that's been talked. I, I have a particular interest in nightclubs and, night, and, the, and the health harms and, and benefits of, of, of clubbing yeah. uh, in our cities. Uh, and I think if they stagger uh, openings and closings, that might help in terms of avoiding crowds and zone, crowd yeah. control. I'm but, sorry to cut across yeah. it, but we're just out of time yeah, before yeah. we get to an outbreak. But Dr. Chris Lucas, fascinating topic. And thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, look after yourself and keep up that campaign. We have to take a quick break. From the North Tech Studio, followed by your message to 80889.